The Sound Girls podcast is sponsored by QSC. At QSC, our role is to empower you with the tools, support, and service to help you confidently create impactful connections and memorable experiences. You're listening to the Sound Girls podcast with Becky Campbell and Susan Williams. Today's episode features an interview with Golden Presadio. She's a training specialist at QSC and an audio engineer, songwriter, and musician. How did you get your start in all this AV wonderful world, Golden? (laughs) Well, I don't have a starting point that I can actually remember, to be honest, because I grew up in this field. (laughs) My dad was... um, a recording engineer. He taught at Golden West College recording engineering and record producing. He had a live sound and video business. So I was kind of integrated into his business. I was um, free help, free help <laughs> for a long time, even as a, as a little girl. So I don't remember when I started. It just always was for me. <laughs> Growing up, working with my dad, running cameras, being his stagehand is where I got the bulk of my training. It's kind of been something that's just like learning how to walk for me. I I never went to school for it. I didn't have to because my dad taught this at Golden West College. So I was, you know, everything he taught his students, I got firsthand straight from his mouth. So (laughs) that's awesome. Yeah. What equipment were you working on when you were a kid? Like, what were you playing with back in those days? Big old analog boards. Yeah. <laughs> and um, Studer tape machines. Okay. Yeah. And, and here's the thing. I I grew up in his, working in his field, but my passion, I'm going to actually back up a little bit because while I was growing up, I was also in gymnastics and, um, in between helping my dad, I was focusing on a, a career in gymnastics, and I actually um, made it to the elite level in gymnastics. So I was competing quite a bit and um, <clears throat> pretty successful in my field of gymnastics. I always had this goal to to be in the Olympics, but um, fell short of that when I sustained a, a knee and back injury. And it was during that time while I was recovering from those injuries that I discovered you know, a a gift that God had given me in music. And I previously just didn't have any idea because I was so focused on gymnastics. But I started pursuing that and um, taking piano lessons and um, becoming, just watching every move that musicians would make as I would work with my dad, and especially as as I was behind camera, you know, making all these videos, watching their every move and all. But um, I had a really cool opportunity in the summer of 1992 to go on tour with the Continental Singers. Um, this is a, a, a full brass um, and um, band style with a choir tour that, that I had done. But with the Continentals, we traveled all over the world for that summer. And it was just the, one of the most amazing times. We traveled in all over the States. And then we ended up at guess where? The Olympics. So (laughs) I did make it to the Olympics. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. My passion as I got into um, 
the music world, and I consider engineering part of the music world because we are part of the band. Yeah. But as I was diving into the music world, I wanted to be the musician. I wanted to be out there singing and, and playing. You know, I was somewhat moderately successful at that. I have connections, obviously, with my dad doing what he does to do some stuff. We made um, a really awesome record. Of course, my dad did an amazing job because that's what he does. I went. I ended up going um, to Bible college, and things really took a turn in my life at that point because I met my husband. We actually got married the day after we graduated from Calvary Chapel Bible College. It was located in Twin Peaks at the time in the mountains. Yes. <laughs> it was pretty cool. <laughs> Wonderful. We got married the day after we graduated, and um, from there, everything pretty much changed for me. My focus musically and and what I wanted to do with that. And we ended up, my husband and I, um, for years touring the two of us as a musical duo, leading worship in churches and doing music at at Christian festivals and and so on and so forth. And then five years into that, I got pregnant. (laughs) (laughs) And amazingly enough, that didn't change a whole lot. I remember touring, being pregnant with my first Avalon. And um, it it didn't slow us down too much. I had Avalon and it, we didn't need to take much time off. We just took her with us and we kept on going. Can, can I interrupt you just for a second? Does Avalon's name have something to do with an audio piece of gear? I thought you might ask that. No, <laughs> <laughs> not Avalon gear. <laughs> Avalon Catalina. Okay, just making sure. (laughs) Avalon Catalina Island is where Michael and I first told each other that we loved each other for the first time. And we actually, while we were sitting there on the island, we looked at each other and said, when we, when and if we have a girl, we will name her Avalon. Aw. That's awesome. Beautiful name. That's how we came up with Avalon. Sorry, I had to interrupt a little bit. I was like, wait, like an Avalon? Because <laughs> <laughs> you know, my brain lives in that audio world like the rest As of As I see Avalon gear, I send pictures of that to Avalon. She thinks it's cute. It's <laughs> awesome. All right. Sorry for interrupting. I just had to ask. Go ahead. Continue. continue. Oh, oh, no, not at all. Well, um, nine months later, I discovered that I was pregnant again. And um, I love this part because we went to the doctors, you know, Michael's I'm holding our little girl. I'm I'm getting my ultrasound and I'm looking at the monitor going, that just looks a little funny. There's like two little things in there. And I was looking <laughs> at the doctor waiting to see, the, the nurse practitioner waiting to see what she was going to say. And she said, well, congratulations. You're having twins. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> wow. And I kid you not, Michael, like, almost fainted there in the doctor's office. (laughs) So we had three kids in in 16 months. That's insane. Bing, bada, boom, boom. (laughs) We actually had a friend of ours come live with us for nine months. We were able to still balance traveling with our kids, our three babies on the road. We had a motorhome and um, we just took them with us wherever we went. And that is a whole other story. All the, um, the amazing stories we have on the road with three little kids in a motorhome. <laughs> <laughs> we'll save that for another time. I, I bet. 
<laughs> I bet there's some horror stories and some good ones. <laughs> but my kids can pretty much say they've been at every state of the United States and they were by the age of one and a half. <laughs> so <laughs> that's crazy cool. Yeah. Crazy cool. There did come a time when they, um, we started school because I homeschooled them <clears throat> for the first part of their schooling that um, we had to settle down. And we did. My, my husband was a, a pastor in a couple of Calvary chapels out where we were living in, in the Menifee area in California. We, I, I kind of figured we're not making a whole lot of money doing music at this point anymore. So that's when I leaned back on my skills as an audio engineer. And at the time, um, we were going to Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, and um, I pitched to our, our lead sound person there, you know, what would you think about taking me on as an engineer there? And it's funny because he had to think about it for a while. He always knew <laughs> my husband and I as the worship leaders, the musicians, like, why would she ever want to do sound? Right. And but in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, I got three kids. I got to, you know, got to make ends meet. So I was happy to really dive back into this arena and, and focus on it. So three days later, he called me back and said, okay, get over here. <laughs> so that started my, that started my engineering at Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa. Um, Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa at that, at that point was a mega church. It was quite a large church. It was, um, that was when I was first broken into the digital audio world. Um, we had a, a Digico up front of house and a Digico up in our broadcast room. Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa also has a um, K-Wave radio. So um, one of those SD8s was sending a broadcast mix while we had an SD8 on the floor for front of house. But that was, when you go from the analog world to Digico, that is like one big jump. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that was early on in Digico world too, wasn't it? Very, very early on. We were like one of the first ones. Were you on part of those Digico consoles? Our church was a feature in their magazine because we were like one of the first, we were one of the first churches that, that got them. Wow. I think I remember reading some of those articles because I was in mega church world in Orlando the same time that you were and we went... We went the Allen and Heath route. So we went from, you know, Midas XL4s to Allen and Heath. And I got thrown in like over the weekend on one. And, and then in our broadcast room, we had a euphonic system of five. I don't I don't even know what that is. That just blew my freaking. Yeah, that blew my freaking mind. Like I couldn't even wrap my head around that thing. It was just ridiculously cool. But uh, yeah, it's a lot. It was a lot. And then they crashed a lot back then. <laughs> oh, you know our our Digicode crashed a few times too. You know, the few, I was at Pacific Amphitheater. We were doing a, a large event there, and I ha was in the broadcast room. And um, our one of our tech guys tripped over the power cord of my board, and it was so dumb. I should have totally Shit. taken it to the wall. <laughs> it unplugged just for a just for a second and we quick plugged it back in, but the board never recovered after that. It was so screwed up. The routing was just all over the place. I should have gone, our, our, our me and the, um, our other tech guy, we tried to rescue the mix, but the, when, when the board's been 
had a power outage like that, it just doesn't recover very fast. We should have just told yeah. um, our K-Wave director, you guys cut to commercial for a second, let us reboot, <laughs> and then we'll get going again. Yeah. That was one of my one of my big audio mistakes. <laughs> that was where I cut my teeth in the the digital audio world. And it it was just fascinating to me, the flexibility in that console. And then I got to thinking, wow. Somebody could really mess up everything with this much flexibility. <laughs> I loved my years working at Calvary. We worked with a bunch of famous bands. Um, the worship leader at our church that time was John Wickham, and his son was is Phil and Evan Bill Wickham. So I've mixed them. I have mixed him before, but my my big claim to fame is I babysit them. I babysat them for. <laughs> A while, so <laughs> I did a little run. I think uh, with Phil, we did uh, about six shows in Florida. I think my crew did with Phil. A couple, I don't even know when it was. Ten years ago, maybe. Yeah, it's been a pleasure watching him grow from you know a, a little kid to where he is now. And yeah, it's so cool. Both he and his and his brother Evan are such amazing songwriters. And just totally committed to serving God, and I love that about their their hearts. So that that was all pretty cool. After Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa, things changed after Pastor Chuck, um, our senior pastor, died, and eventually we moved on. My husband and I, I started working at St. Andrew's Presbyterian Church in Newport Beach, and I loved that experience because it it gave me. It rounded me out as an engineer as far as genre. We had a classical service that I would mix that was totally all orchestra, full orchestra. Wow. Then we had a half an hour to switch it over to our contemporary service. And it, that was... Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. You wouldn't believe half how we had to make that nothing. happen. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, is, it is not a lot. And we were always cutting it down straight to the, <laughs> straight to the last second. I bet. I was going to say, I've been telling people this for years. Like, if you want to learn how to do pretty much everything, go work in a church for a little <laughs> while. You're going to learn everything from drama to orchestras to, like you're saying, you know, to contemporary music to, you know, drums or acoustic acts or you'll you'll learn all of it. You'll learn how to use headsets. You'll learn how to use labs. You'll everything. Yes. You know, and and I'm like, I don't know. Other than working in a, a small hometown theater that does all of those kind of things also, I don't know where you would get that much influence of different genres and different things. And, you know, just basically I have miked every ridiculous thing you can think of in a church. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We've miked things, you know, when it even came to miking our orchestra, I experimented with all these different ways to mic it. And I discovered with our orchestra, the best sound I get is by miking it sectionally. Yeah. Because these people mix themselves. And the other thing I, I learned about orchestral mixing, you don't need to do much. You yeah, high, right. Other than high passing that section to its appropriate spot, just that you don't need to do much. They mix themselves. Mm -hmm. And our conductor would always tell me, and he had to remind me all the time, Get rid of your processing. Don't use compression. All this stuff. And, and in our room, that was acceptable. Now, down here, broadcast, we obviously had to 
to do that to <laughs> make things work evenly in our broadcast mix. But in the sanctuary, it was basically just put those condensers up and and properly place them for that section and let her rip. <laughs> yeah. It was a, a, an amazing experience. And then, you know, half an hour later, we were switched over into our contemporary service. <laughs> the whole nine yards, full band, loud. And our sanctuary had a lot of glass, so you can only imagine what we had to deal with in there. One of the sanctuaries I mixed in was surrounded. It was a round sanctuary, and it was glass all the way around except for where the booth was. And I tell people all the time, if you can mix in a fishbowl, you can mix anywhere. <laughs> yeah. It's got crazy sounds <laughs> coming through there. Yeah. I am so glad that my uh, house of worship experience was in video production. I'll just say that because <laughs> the stuff our engineer went through, uh, I was not jealous. I very much enjoyed my easy position. <laughs> so about that time when you were mixing in churches, in, in the Presbyterian church and doing different services and all that kind of stuff. When, when was that? 2017, 18. Gotcha. In 19. Yeah. The early part of yeah 2019. And at, at that point, I also started um, doing some contracted work for QSC. And the I stopped working at St. Andrews when I became pretty busy with um, QSC. So that's what kind of started my transition. So how did you get involved with QSC? Oh, it was funny. I've wanted to work with QSC for like, oh my goodness, forever. My dad, when he was um, in his live sound business, Pat Quilter would give him an amp and say, go see if you can break this. So we were um, beta testing stuff early on for QSC, but I've had, um, I've just had a, watched my dad's experience with QSC through this whole thing. And then watched how they grew into such a reputable company with amplifiers and and then um, loudspeakers and all at Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa. We use them everywhere. In fact, I still have some really old amps <laughs> that were great that will never be serviced again. But <laughs> man, it's hard to get rid of old gear, <laughs> dude. Some of those old QSC amps, yeah, are like the heaviest thing. In the world. Yeah. But like, yeah. I still have some too. I have three at my house because I don't know why. No, why? <laughs> it's hard. It's like, it's like my guitars. You can't, like, I don't care what shape that guitar is. I can't get rid of it. <laughs> <laughs> Audio gear is like the same thing. My garage has so much antiquated audio gear, but I love it. They're my babies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's something about it, right? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. When uh, QSC, man, I started using their amps a long time ago, but the the thing that blew my mind the most about them was the QSIS system when it came out not too long ago. And I think, yeah, I think maybe we've put it in like seven churches now or seven campuses. Yeah. And because it's so versatile and, you know, I can send yeah. music to this hallway and that hallway. It's just a giant matrix system for those of you who don't know what that is, but uh, it is really intuitive. It's great. Like even a volunteer could figure it out. So I was very ex excited about that because I could give it to somebody else to show them how to make sure everything goes where it's supposed to. And then we had breakout room 
you know, where sometimes like on Easter, you'd have like an extra overflow room or something. We could just send it through the system over to that room. And it was just easy. Yeah. You know, and I was like, oh, yeah. Instead of running cable and doing all the things we used to do to have like a breakout room or all the obnoxious old school type stuff, you know. So I was like, bam. And then I don't even know where it might have been at Full Sail when I was teaching there a little bit where I know Full Sail uses like the K-12s and the KW1A1s or whatever subs to teach their kids. Yeah, I have some sitting right over here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. To teach to teach their beginners, you know, how to set up a sound system and how to dial one in. That's what they use, right? That's like your beginner system or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so after I worked there and saw how easy that was and how great they were, I'm like 2000 watts for a tiny little speaker. I'm in. <laughs> yeah, I you know? love those speakers. They are. Yeah. I can't tell you the beating that they have taken because our students are rough on our equipment, um, which is good because I'd rather them be rough on ours than, you know, Becky. Yes. <laughs> <I appreciate> <laughs> <that>. <laughs> But those things have taken a beating and they still sound great and they still work every single time that we plug them in. It's just I am a big fan of that series for sure. You know, what a cool thing to to be able to like all my kids that I train up and everything else. I can just give them like a pair of speakers and be like, take these home and just mess with them. I haven't had anybody blow one up yet. Knock on wood. Um, You know, so (laughs) the little kids can take those and a little, you know, mixer and they go home and they come back like hey, here's what I figured out. And if I figured out this and da, 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 and I'm like, that's awesome because it's easy enough for them to just take a little package with them and play with it, you know? And now now I get to send them out all over the place. So that's kind of fun. And the documentation is really good too. Yeah. Because they have like that printout that shows you different wiring options. Yes. Love yes. that. We've made a bunch of videos as well. So I was just going to say, and now you can go watch Golden on all the videos and learn all the things because she's Ooh. training everybody. <laughs> Well, teaching is one of my passions. I love to watch people's light bulbs go on when they have understanding mm-hmm. in audio. And that's one of the things that I'm, as, as far as the church world, that I'm, I'm doing so much of is just imparting whatever knowledge I have to others so they can um, get their systems up and going and sounding great. And the truth of the matter is 95% of churches are going to be 300 people or less and working with sound volunteers who don't know much. QSC um, recently released a a house of worship training that I put together that was specifically made for audio volunteers and um, also ministry leaders because so so often the ministry leaders are finding themselves in that position of having to get sound going and and make things work. So um, it's it's been super helpful just to teach people the names of things, how to roll a cable. Signal flow, how does signal flow work and, and how does it arrive at the speakers? All, all very basic stuff. I remember we took a, a survey and um, we were trying to get feedback from people who took the course. And one of the guys who took the course said, the course is too easy. And I'm like, yes, that's what I wanted. <laughs> I, I want it to be for those people who didn't know anything and they needed to learn the basics. So this is what... <laughs> This was a um, program that that we put out. It's free and anybody can take it. It's on our QSC website. It's super beneficial. It's got some great concepts for review, even for experienced engineers. I would send a volunteer through the course first before they ever got their hands on the equipment. 
and if anything, just to help the lead engineer and the volunteer speak the same language. Uh, I, I did some training this past week um, at one at a church and then one at a little small theater here in town. And I sent all of the trainees your videos afterwards from the QSC website. Oh, and I said, cool. watch these. Um, and if you forget just, you know, what we talked about today and what you learned and everything, go back and watch this. You know, it's a great resource yeah. to keep you knowing what signal flow is. And I'm like, you're going to need to learn that. And that, you know, like just little things like how to roll a cable and little feedback, how to get rid of that, you know? Yeah. And it's just, it's just funny how, because you'll forget if you're a volunteer, you know, you don't do this every day. You have a 40 hour a week job doing something else. So it's like you come in one weekend a month and you're supposed to remember all this stuff that we all do every day. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a great little refresher too. And so um, it's funny because I think one of the, places that I was doing the training, we had six kids that were all in high school and three of them have already emailed me back within a week. Like, man, what a great video. We love that. That was awesome. Thank you so much. You know? And I'm like, that's great. That's so great. I love, I love when a manufacturer takes enough time to help train people on yes. anything, you know, but let alone yes. like go to the basics like you guys are. That's really cool. So thank you for doing that. Yeah. Thought leadership, in, in my opinion, is one of the most important aspects, especially being part of a manufacturer. If I can teach people how to make stuff sound good, even on the gear they're using now, they're going to remember who taught them that. And they'll hopefully come back to, um, they'll remember QSC in the future and remember that they can not only buy amazing gear, but that they're going to know how to operate it and make it sound amazing. Because honestly, I've heard people make USC gear sound bad just because of a lack of knowledge on how to run it and how to run sound. There actually is a science behind all the stuff, guys. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you just got back from NAM. How was that for you? Oh, it was so amazing. It was so good to be back together with people. I, I just can't tell you how refreshing that was. And the excitement in the air was like no other. I mean, people were fighting to get their pictures taken with the NAM sign. Like, <laughs> we are here. We are back. That's awesome. Yeah. Yay. And I had the pleasure of participating on some panels there for House of Worship. And it was like, it was super awesome and fun. And you know what's so funny is like, I've made these videos, but when you're sitting here at home working in like in your office space and you're making videos, like I'm all, I'm all alone. I, I don't realize mm -hmm. the impact. That they're having on people. Yeah. But like I have these people come up to me who don't even like, I don't know these people. And they were saying, Oh, thank you so much for that video or for that teaching. And I'm all, oh, you saw that? <laughs> it's the QSC lady. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I had no idea. I had no idea. So that was kind of fun. And mm -hmm. um that's cool. It really inspired me to keep pushing forth on making videos to help people learn so that they can be better at their craft. Um, like I said, I'm, I'm just, I'm absolutely passionate about that. So I was like inspired, you know, keep doing it. Don't give up. <laughs> Figure out ways to explain it that anybody can do it. I love the fact that, um, too, also that QSE is using you, a female, a woman to do the training videos. Cause when I was coming up, like 
no women doing training anything. <laughs> I didn't see myself anywhere. You know what I yeah. mean? I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I was like, oh, I'm just the only woman in sound that does this, you know, and like every training video for. It was like the monotone, boring guy, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, for 25 years, you know, and I learned a lot from all of those guys. I'm not bashing that at all. I mean, I've learned a ton from oh, yeah. you know, Dave Rat videos. Like I've, I'm a religious watcher of Dave Rat, you know, so like I loved his YouTube channel. That was about the only thing I could find back in the day. But like even so cool, you know, that we're branching out. And I think like one of the trainees that I had last week, you know, this young girl who she was her eyes were just like, boom, you know, like wide open every time I was talking to her. And she was like, it's so cool that you're a woman and you do this. I love that. And I was like, yeah. yeah. And then when I set your video, she was like, this is so cool. More women do this. And I was like, yes, girl. Yes. I'm like so excited about it. So that I don't know. I'm just excited that manufacturers are using women to do videos now too and you do a great job at it and i feel like like me doing a training and you doing the videos like i feel like we just captured a kid you know like we just yeah light bulbs i love seeing the light bulb go on in, in people's yeah, minds she's 16 years old and all of a sudden yeah. she was just like i just didn't realize i could do this mm -hmm. and i'm like yeah. yeah she goes like i know you go on tour and stuff and i know this but she's like it just kind of hit me and I was like, I could see it on her face. Yeah. I was like, we got one. <laughs> yes. It's the best. See, I've been training my cousin and um, she is a quick study and it's been awesome because I went to Nam, and my cousin was able to step in. She's only 15. She's just amazing. But she ran the whole service by herself. Wow. We had a full band. We even had because it was a, a time of sharing for the congregation. We had a headset and two wireless mics walking around the sanctuary, and she managed all that as well. Wow. So I'm super wow. proud of That's her. That's so cool. Yeah. One of my, actually, used to be one of my volunteers in a booth at a church is like my second now in my business. Like, she's with me all the time. She does all the setups and teardowns. Like, I have a, a kid, too, who started in the booth yeah. when he was 14, and now he like this week while I'm gone, he's picking up a mm -hmm. bunch of gear and doing a show for me, you know? So I'm like, dude, it's so cool because I was able to oh, see, that's work with awesome. them like, all the way through and now they're doing their own thing. And he, he actually just bought a pair. He just bought a pair of K-12s. So there you go. Nice. <laughs> Passing that on too. Awesome. <laughs> he's going to end yes. up with a bunch of QSC amps in his garage too someday. Very cool. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So uh, Golden... We got to wrap it up, but uh, what what advice do you have for the next generation or the people coming in behind us? Um, my advice is to strive for excellence. Always be learning. And I find that with myself. As a teacher, I want to keep learning. And in this case, it means actually humbling myself because a lot of times I will be learning stuff from people who know less about other things than I do. But I'm going to be learning new things from young people as well that I didn't know. So be an avid learner and strive for excellence. That's great. Anything else you want to share with our audience? I'm so excited to get to talk to you guys. You guys rock. <laughs> <laughs> I'm super excited to be on this podcast with, with Sound Girls because uh, there's, there's not a lot of us out there. Mm -hmm. um, I, I work in a a secular music venue as well. In the church world, um, there's 
quite a few more females because it, as far as volunteers, the females seem to step up quite a bit. Mm -hmm. But in the secular um, audio world where I'm working at this music venue, um, I'm it. And I've had to learn to navigate that as a as a female, and it has been a real learning experience. So I, I love that we have a place where we can come together and discuss these things and um, just work on making a place out there in the audio world for us gals. Thank you so much for having me on your program. I'm like super excited to be a part of your organization. But thank you so much for your time and thank you for doing this. I'm so happy we were able to make it work. Thank you. This episode was produced and recorded by Susan Williams and Becky Campbell. The Sound Girls podcast would like to thank our executive producers, Becky Campbell and Susan Williams. This episode of the Sound Girls podcast was edited by Fendel Fulton. The Sound Girls Living History Project is a collection of oral history interviews that highlights the careers and achievements of women and underrepresented groups in audio. One of the interviews is with Stephanie Brown, a sound editor and dialogue and ADR supervisor, known for her work on The Incredible Hulk, 8 Mile, A Wrinkle in Time, and many others. Working on The Matrix was probably my favorite because at the time, we didn't know what that movie was going to be, but we knew something was going to happen. And to see the phenomenon that movie became was amazing. And then to be involved in the sequels, it's still the highlight of my career is just being involved in that. Be sure and catch the full interview with Stephanie Brown, along with all the other Living History interviews, over on the Sound Girls website or YouTube channel. Looking for more audio-related podcasts? Check out our friends at the Audio Podcast Alliance. To see all of the other podcasts in the Alliance, make sure to visit audiopodcast.org.